0: Quick shout-out from our sponsor, ShareID. Are you trying to boost conversions to your Shopify store? Need to drive more customer loyalty? Get results fast by offering exclusive discounts to consumer communities with ShareID. ShareID helps verify students, teachers, military, first responders, and so much more of these groups. With ShareID, you'll get a verified match in seconds. You can spit out an exclusive discount for customers on the spot. Try speaking directly to a new customer segment with this verifiable identity without adding friction to the shopping experience. Continue to drive incremental revenue in the next 90 days post-purchase with more tailored messaging for your email and SMS campaigns. I personally tested ID to see just how easy it was to get it set up, and I was pretty much ready to go in under 15 minutes. The onboarding was simple enough for me to follow as a non-technical person. Go to SheerId.com/slash Shopify and start your free trial today. Once again, that's SheerID.com slash Shopify and start your free trial today. Hello and welcome to e-commerce uncovered. I'm your host, Matt Lady. Each and every week I get to talk with and learn from enthusiastic guests, freelancers, agency folks, in-house marketers, and founders, all in an effort to help you bootstrap your D2C brand profitably we got two episodes a week, which will have you staying up to date on the ever-changing industry and learning fundamental concepts and tactics to apply to your brand. Enjoy the show. Today's guest is the founder of Effigy Agency, Jason Wagg. We're here to talk all things uh, end of year wrap up, what went right, what went wrong, what to do about it, and what actions you should take. And so, Jason, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing?
1: Thanks, man. I'm good. Happy Friday.
0: Happy Friday and we're uh, as of right now we're 2 weeks away from uh Black Friday. So it's a crazy fun time of the year. Some brands are already running their discounts and sales. Some brands are sitting out, but it is uh
1: I feel like this year, you know, Black Friday started about a month ago probably, uh and probably will last sometime into January at the rate that we're going right now.
0: It sure seems like it. So, uh it's this is not all about Black Friday. This is more about the end of the year as a whole. So we're trying to help you recap 2022, and then look ahead for 2023. So this will be a good recap for you guys. Jason's going to get into um, how he approaches this, and we're going to talk all about it. So where, why do you first? Like, why is it so important, and how do you help your clients, or how do you have you helped clients in the past with this?
1: So I, I mean, number one, you know, thinking about disc being like you said two weeks before black friday we were coming up on the holiday season this is when basically everything that can go wrong will go wrong but this is also when all of your carefully laid plans all of your marketing efforts all of that stuff really should come to fruition if you succeed it's because you planned ahead of time for this hopefully um if you know something bad happens if there's a failure if there's a crisis then it's probably something that either you didn't plan for or that you did wrong um, and this is a great time to take a little bit of extra attention to think about the things that led up to these successes and failures and also to think about how you can build off of those or, or prevent them, as the case may be for next year, um, especially during the time when you have the most traffic, the most volume, the most sales, you know, most of the, most of the brands that we work with in e-commerce this is really the sweet spot, so this is the best time for you to gain a little bit of perspective, and especially as an operator or, or you know, more of like a, a marketing position, um, your job should be thinking about how all of these pieces fit together, not the success of really or failure of any one thing because everything is going to look pretty good, for a, a little, hopefully for a little bit of time. Um, but you know, you really need to think about how all of the pieces of those things all work together or fell apart really during this time of year. But also, you can look back and see where those seeds were planted, where those successes and failures really come from, and then you know, make a plan to you know build again on those for the the year upcoming. And especially, you know, if you are anything like me, January is when you have to lay all of your plans for pretty much the entire rest of the year. I've already started my 2023 decks. I'm already working on marketing allocations. I'm already writing budgets. You know, time waits for no man. And as much as Black Friday hasn't even happened while we're recording this, you know, I'm already trying to think about what we should do differently for next Black Friday, because really that's how much time I have.
0: Yeah. So uh, you want to take what you're learning already. Some of the sales have already started and you want to just plan ahead for next year. So we are taking that data, we're trying to get insight and we're going to, uh, hopefully give you some guidelines and actions to take. So, uh, Jason, you've broken down yeah, this into, you... oh, go ahead, please.
1: Yeah. So I'll tell you a little bit, just the way that Effigy agency works is a little bit different than the way that a lot of other agency works. We think about business a little bit more holistically. I call it collaborative e-commerce, um, simply because we're not here to do a specific job, we're here to make sure that all of those jobs really work together. And that's kind of the the core that we've realized, especially for smaller bootstrapped or independent businesses, you just don't have enough resources to get everything done. And as much as you may have an email agency on deck to do that, they're not going to help you with your discount policies. You know, if you have somebody doing website development for you, they're not helping you write copy. You know, it's really up to you as the founder or the operator to figure out how those things work together and also to fill in the gaps a lot. So really, when we think about your, your overviews or sort of kind of like a broader, more holistic view of the business, we're thinking about this in a couple of different ways, especially during holiday season. The number one thing that you're thinking about is going to be a crisis. Anything that you didn't plan for, that you would not have been able to plan for, anything that might have happened that just was an unanticipated, or or we use this word a lot now, but unprecedented uh, you know, event that impacted your business somehow. And this could be anything from some person on buying twitter and taking your stock price Uh, that's kind of an extreme example and maybe not relevant to this audience but definitely something that we're seeing play out on real time it could be something like a boat being stuck in the suez canal last year that we're still dealing with some ramifications for um it could be you know overall carrier rates changing it could be basically anything that really is out of your control. And unfortunately, you have to figure out how to respond to those. The most important thing that you can think about is, is there something that I could have done that was in my control that would have helped make this less of a problem? And nine times out of 10, we're talking about logistics, or we're talking about a technical issue here. Uh, very often the response to a logistics or technical issue is straight up communication best-in-class customer service it's amazing how often when you go to customers and say hey i'm sorry this thing is going to be six months late they're surprisingly very sympathetic to your plight and they can actually be very understanding for that versus if you don't tell them it's going to be six months late you're definitely going to have some issues and potentially legal ramifications to those types of things
0: no for sure so yeah uh some issues are in your control but a lot of these sort of aren't and it's really up to you how you respond is more in your control and what you try to plan ahead for next year. And so that doesn't happen again. That's like the biggest thing. Uh, If you don't, if you don't learn from it, then that's even a bigger issue. Um, So you've kind of broken these down into four buckets of kind of how to look ahead, Mm -hmm. look back and then look ahead for the year ahead. So you've already kind of started mentioning crisis.
1: Yeah. So, you know, we started with crises and talked about things. And again, crises really are specifically things that are beyond your control. Uh, You have a way to respond to them, but that's really not up to you. The others are very much in your control. Now we're talking about, and and just the the remaining three, we're going to talk about lost revenue. Those are things that cost you money very specifically. We're going to talk about missed opportunities. Or I think about it as where should we have made more money? um and then we're going to think about successes because the hardest part is when you're in the middle of it when everything is going badly or when you just don't have time to think about it a lot of times you don't think about the things that actually worked and you don't think about how to anniversary some of those wins in order to be able to continue to build onto those successes if you had a product go viral it's probably not going to go viral next year but you have to learn what to do with those audiences and how to continue to turn that into momentum Ongoing, I think that momentum is one of the most powerful businesses in e-commerce, and the more that you can build that forward motion, you know, the easier it is for you to do. So just thinking about, you know, we talked about crises, things being outside of your control. Next, we're going to move on to lost revenue, like the, and this is actually where I spend a lot of time. These are things that maybe you planned for, maybe you prepared for something and something intervened. If you sold out of a product, could we have sold more? if we you know had an issue with a discount what was the real impact of where that particular technical breakdown happened uh you know was our email deliverability down year over year should we have been able to get more revenue from a specific channel or how can we be able to do this this is a really great opportunity to uncover tactical action items for either yourself or for your delegations for your your agency resources or your staff to be able to really dig into some of the data Find whatever those areas of opportunity are and say, hey, actually, here's a place where we missed the mark, where really we should have done better. We should have started that discount earlier. We should have sent that additional email. We should have worked on our deliverability ahead of time. Um, There's so many things that looking back, you can say, I would have, should have, could have done that. This is really the place where you're going to say, hey, I need to translate this into a dollars and cents number in order to be able to prioritize what impact that really had on my business and how we can make sure that we are realizing and recouping some of those losses as we move forward a lot of places that i think about we're talking about i already mentioned inventory planning i already mentioned discounts or some technical issues i already talked a little bit about communication and some of the opportunities there each one of those has a huge amount of you know data points and insights and many different aspects of how to be able to piece those together, fulfillment chains and logistics and all of these other things. Um, some places that many people overlook: 404 four pages, like high bounce pages. Um, any place where traffic is not doing what you need it to do, that is a really great place, even if it's super small to say, Hey, there's that really easy fix that can actually turn this loss into a win for me, or at least reduce the loss overall, that's really your goal is to try and reduce the loss. From a communications side of things, really the number one place that I recommend looking is workflows and automations. Anything that you have a set it and forget it mentality about, whether that's your welcome email, abandoned cart sequence, uh even your ECAPs, or you know, any sort of ongoing persistent workflows that you have, even if it's on the back end, Shopify released Shopify flow to a lot of merchants earlier this year, that's going to include many businesses that were not able to use it before. And maybe you're running something there that you shouldn't be, or maybe you have a discount running that you needed to turn off. Um, this is a lot of that kind of like, let's just go do a little bit of house cleaning because it's going to take care of those misses for you as you move into the new new year and make sure that those are top of mind for you to address. First thing, once you get into January, hey, what does our email deliverability look like? Hey, what does our discount policy look like? Hey, you know, are, have we cleaned up everything from holiday season? Is there anything extraneous, anything left over, and anything that we missed that now we can fix and make sure that we don't miss that again? The next thing we that I think about is really, you know, once you flip from that uh, lost money thing, now you think about okay, like where should I have made more money, right? So like now, now you're moving from this was a miss to like could this have been a bigger win? You know, we're talking about maybe I hit a, you know, maybe I ran a single, but this could have been a home run. Maybe I could have sold even more than I already did. Maybe I could have done something more to continue to build onto that success. This one is really hard. Uh, And I I will admit that this one is very difficult to understand because so much of this, we get caught up in our heads. And a lot of times the easiest answer is that we should have made it simpler. (laughs) Um, And many times we overcomplicate things. And this is a really hard thing to break down. And a lot of this is addressing our bias as operators and as marketers in the industry and say, Hey, where did I miss the here? Like, well, what did I do that was more complicated than it needed to be? What could I have done to make this simpler, to make this faster, to make this easier to understand and to get through to people faster? I, I was actually just on a call uh, right before we did this recording with somebody. And I said, Hey, I was looking through your welcome series in your, you know, email automations and your welcome series is fine. I don't see any technical issues. All of the triggers look fine but you're not really sending customers your messaging. I was like, here's a place where you have people already in, they already want to know more about your brand. They're looking for more information from you and you're just not telling them enough about yourself. You need to be a little bit preachy. Like you need to step into that a little bit more because you have that captive audience and every single little bit of attention that you can note for that. That's the place to do that.
0: Yeah. So they they specifically opted in. They want to hear from you. They want to learn more about it. That's that's the time to do it. So uh, not technically wrong, but just that's yeah. a missed opportunity. And, like and that's
1: actually, yeah. And I kind of think about it that way too. You know, when we're talking about lost revenue, you know, we talk about those misses. A lot of times you start from conversion and you work your way backwards. You know, okay, great. Like something happened with our cart. That's an abandoned cart. You know, there's a bounce. There's something happening there. Missed opportunities, a lot of times the place that that starts is from the very first touch point. You know that social interaction was not um you know authentic the welcome email didn't communicate our brand values appropriately um you know we could have personalized this and we didn't we could have offered something more and we you know didn't we could have made it a little easier to understand or quicker for somebody to buy in and we didn't do that um and especially now as we start to get into more of this kind of specialist environment inside of the marketing and inside of the e-commerce system overall everything has so many technical details to it it's so easy to overlook the really super simple fundamental basics of what am i doing how am i translating that into people am i telling the people what they need to hear about what i'm doing right now in order to get them to buy something ultimately
0: and so that really uh makes sense and you're your founder you're You're not just inherently good at everything from the beginning. You have to, you're maybe a product person, and then you figure out the rest of business, figured out all these other things. So as you're growing, sometimes you're able to hire out either part-time or freelance or an agency. So there's a lot of moving pieces and it extends beyond. And,
1: and especially as you grow, what you tend to find is it's really easy to get lost in sauce, you know, like the, as you continue to grow and as there are more activities to manage, as there's more technical debt, essentially that you're building into your business model, Uh, It's really easy to get distracted by a lot of the details, you know, are my CPMs up or down? Honestly, maybe that doesn't matter. You know, like if you are ignoring some of the basic fundamentals of how to operate a business, it doesn't matter what technical fix you're going to put in place to be able to address that specific element of whatever it is. You're already working with such a a fine fine minutiae detail. you are probably missing the overall larger picture and ultimately as a founder and as operator nobody else is going to do that for you Uh, unfortunately your job as a founder as an operator whether you are a cmo or a ceo or you have whole food stock in your shipping orders from your kitchen counter no one else is going to catch those big picture you know ideas for you Mm -hmm. nobody else is going to break it down and say Hey, you're you know paying attention to the wrong metric. Honestly, they're all important. I, I can't say that, you know, CPMs are something that you should ignore. Please like, don't, don't think that that's what I'm advocating for. I'm saying that as a founder, you are the most uh, pure and authentic representation of what your brand values really are. And you have to be the one advocating for those over anybody else. And that means that it comes with obligation of saying, am I doing a good job of representing my brand to my core customer? Who is that core customer? What are they looking for? What do they want? Am I telling them the right message? Do they want red and I'm offering them blue? Do I care that it's a specific shade of red or shade of blue? You know, realistically, most times people actually have a very simple evaluation process for a lot of these things. And we tend to get really into all of the fine details, the bullet point list of the technical features. You know, what are the specs? What are the dimensions? Those are important, sure, don't get me wrong, don't neglect those, but if you can't very easily and simply express what you're doing to customers, they aren't going to get that far, they just simply won't. And we're starting to kind of, I I actually very much challenge the marketing funnel approach uh, because we, we sort of have been trained in the marketing world that we have, you know, this like perfect funnel that narrows through everything. I actually think it's way simpler than that i think that at every single touch point you have with a customer they are making a binary decision either they're going to come and learn more about your product or they won't if they're at checkout they want to learn more about your product that's called a purchase if they are you know interacting for your brand for the first time that's called awareness short you could label it whatever you want but basically you have a series of binary interactions that either push people closer to buying your product or push them further away And that starts from the very first time that somebody interacts with any of your advertising assets or any of your marketing material, or maybe even you in person, I I, I won't discount at all that in-person marketing or word of mouth advertising is absolutely the best way to be able to address that. Because if you can't tell a person sitting in front of you, what you do as a business, there's no way they're going to be able to put that in a Instagram story or, you know, an advertising slide or, you know, anything else that's going to to make sense to your prospective
0: customers. Right, yeah, that, that's the simplest form is that, again, humanizing in person, talking one-to-one. If you're not able to get that and understand that, that's where you should like kind of workshop and figure out how people respond. And then that's how you scale it online. And,
1: and I see very often, and I have to really caution against this because I, I think everybody falls into it and I do as well. Um, but, you know, we tend to think about reasons why people didn't buy the product rather than focusing on reasons why people might you know like we we tend to be like oh this thing is wrong that's not working the way it should you know we really try and get into the places that we're missing like i said lost revenue but there's so many opportunities that we should be pursuing that are simpler wins or that are you know usually very reductive something that's as simple as can i explain it in a sentence or you know i've got 10 seconds to explain this in a video can i do it in 10 seconds it's almost like a challenge and and this If you think about it the right way this part is really the fun part because it lets you reinterpret what you're already doing and thinking about how to continue to get better at doing that thing no matter what your vertical is it's totally vertical agnostic industry agnostic everybody needs to work on concise and clear simple straightforward communication that's it
0: yep yeah that's how you scale online you're a single founder and you might have one one or two people with you but the, all the emails, the website—that's always on. It's twenty-four-seven. It's selling and talking to your customers, and so
1: well. And also, I mean, you know, thinking about what, the goal is obviously you don't want to be a solo founder. You know, at some point in time, there's only so far that you can scale that, and and the other side of that, the implication is that at some point, you have to be able to delegate that mission, that vision to somebody else, and trust that they're going to be able to execute whatever that task is. Even if it's, you know, boxing and shipping orders or printing UPS labels or writing copy or whatever, there are varying degrees of how much people need to really almost believe in that product or believe in the brand in order to do their job successfully. And you want to empower people to do that. you want to give people the tools to be able to say, Hey, I know something that will make this better or ask you questions and say, Hey. I don't understand this. Can you help explain it to me? Because it's going to help them explain it to your customers. And there's this sort of feedback loop that you build into your team and that you also build into your customers where you can say, okay, great. I think that my business is about this and here's how I think that we should express it. And as you make it simpler, it gets easier to understand if you're doing a good job of that and continuing to grow sales, or if you're not doing a good job of that and and you are either usually at this point, you're going to plateau. Simply because there's only so far that you can continue to advocate and do that on your own, that you ideally need to kind of like unbreak that for yourself to be able to, again, empower other people, delegate other people, find those ambassadors, you know, make sure that you have customers that are advocating for you. That's where your referral traffic kicks in, that's where your affiliates kick in, that's where... You know, you get ambassadors and, you know, you start working with influencers. All of the things you want to do to scale, you have to make sure that you have your core message correct. And that means making sure that you dial it down to probably the simplest, most overly reductive form that you possibly can. If you roll your eyes at it, there's a really good chance that you got it right. Uh, and and it's hard. I mean, granted, it's hard, but also like that's pretty much the way that it works
0: yeah there's so we're getting so many more messages pieces of content things media content on our little smartphones like you can't have this super long complicated thing about your product or brand you got to keep simplifying it so i love how you keep reinforcing that
1: yeah and you know the i mean best practices if you just think about why are people going to buy this you know it's not because it's blue it's because it does something that they care about you know, it solves a problem for them. It makes their lives better. It makes their lives easier. You know, it's amazing how often it pretty much almost all of our decisions are made off of either an inconvenience or a convenience that we're, you know, addressing somehow, either we are solving a problem for ourselves or we are making something easier than maybe it should be. Um, but you know, that's, that's very much how marketing works and that's how we have to think about our own products and our
0: own brands. Right. Yep. So in terms of that's uh, kind of uh, the lost revenue, missed opportunities, crises. We kind of covered those three main sections a lot. So what about successes? Like what? What do we? How do we approach that? What do we look at? And how do we celebrate those?
1: So here here's the overall process. Right. We've talked about the things we couldn't control. We've talked about the things that we could control and maybe didn't do a good job of, and are trying to get better at. We've talked about the things that we could have done better. Just in general and now we want to think about the things that actually went well and whether these are things that you planned for whether things that were unplanned every single success that you've had over the course of the year every statistical outlier or like positive anything that brought the average up those are all of the things that you really want to look at and i i talk a lot about statistical outliers when i talk about the business because Those are the places that really make a big difference. Either those were things that were unplanned or unexpected, or those were things that had an outsized result of whatever, whatever kind it was. Um, you know, as we're thinking about holiday season, you're doing more sales overall, okay, great. That's awesome. There's a seasonal impact to that, obviously, but what's your second best sales day during the year? Um, you know, what happened during right after tax season, for example, when people got their rebates, what happened during the summer when people were on vacation, you have to think about the things that you did well and that worked well and went according to plan. And most of that is those are rinse and repeat, right? Like if I did amazing business in February of this year, my number one priority right now in November is figuring out how I'm going to repeat the success of that February, should I dig in harder? Did something happen where I was, you know, it was a spillover from holiday season? What else is it that really impacted my business and made those things work? And then what can I do in order to be able to almost like templatize them? I really think about it in terms of like a process or a workflow. I made this plan. This was the input. This was the result for it. It went according to plan or it did better than expected. Let's do that again. Like that's a guaranteed easy win. First thing you should do, we're just going to do the exact same thing again. If you want to modify the result modify the process it becomes a very simple almost like mechanical exercise for you and again this is a great place where you can delegate some portion of those responsibilities or you can bring somebody alongside you to shadow that and be able to say hey we did this thing let me walk you through the process this is what we did this is what happened with it this is the result that we got do you think that you could reproduce this process or do you think that you could follow these steps in order to be able to continue to carry on these successes so that you can go and address again either the things that didn't go well or the things that you should have done better um, and make sure that you're continuing to build some kind of resiliency. In startups and in tech, we talk about this as being this like institutional knowledge thing, right? Like as we're testing forward, we continue to think about this change log of I did this thing, this thing happened, I did this thing, this thing happened, I A B tested this thing, the A one, I you know did another A B test, the B one, here are all the learnings that we have between these different things. As an e-commerce business, you as the founder, you as the operator are the only person that's going to remember any of those things. And so you kind of have to like sit down and write them out. And honestly, I mean, I have sitting at my desk at all times, a legal pad. I almost always have some version of a scratch pad document up on my computer in front of me, just in the corner, just in case if I need notes, if I need to do something, and I even carry a notebook around with me in my bag when I'm, you know, away from my computer, just because i found that those things are places that I don't really want to do, they don't seem like they're important at the time, but if I don't replicate those successes, if I don't systematize or templatize the things that worked for me, there's no way that I can expect them to ever work that well ever again. Um, and a lot of times, as I said, the momentum of continuing to build a business is going to mean that those become perpetual programs that you can annualize and that you can use almost as like a litmus test for how your overall business is doing, especially during your off season, Identifying the days that were the best sales days that you weren't running a promotion on? What happened there? You know, was it a piece of social content that we did really well? Was it an influencer partnership that we, you know, brought in that just really did amazingly beyond what we expected? Did we get a press write-up? Did we did we do any single thing or did we do any combination of things that made this particular activity deliver something more than we were expecting that it would?
0: A quick reminder from our sponsor, Share ID. Find your next lifetime customers by providing verified discount codes based on occupation or life stage. Speak directly to veterans, students, teachers, first responders, and continue to tailor your messaging to them in the future with post-purchase emails and text messages. Make them feel seen with your brand by using ShareID to seamlessly verify their email in seconds during the purchase process. Go to ShareID.com Shopify and start your free trial today. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff there in terms of the success and how to capture that and templatize it and remember it. And so you can do it again next year instead of just it being a one-off thing. So then how do and, you think about... And I mean, about...
1: also, I got to say, not for nothing, you also need to take a, a victory lap. You know, no matter what happened at the end of this, you know, we've talked about all of these different aspects of how to analyze a year's worth of results. Take a breather, buy yourself a coffee, take your team out to dinner, you know, whatever that is by the big Mac, I don't care. Um, you know, it, really, this is also a place where you need to find the things that you can celebrate as a team. You know, you need to find those activities as a business where you can say, Hey guys, we did a good job of this. And even if it's yourself, look in the mirror and be like, Hey, you, that one thing, you did that one thing, right. Let's make sure that we get that right again. Cause like that should be an encouragement to you. It's so hard to run a business. It, it is absolutely so hard to run and grow a business and especially at the stage where you're continuing to ramp up sales, where you cross that million dollar mark, where you cross that $5 million mark annual, you know, as you continue to grow these things, you have to really celebrate those successes. Again, as much as no one else is going to celebrate, you know, or help you identify these opportunities, if you're not celebrating your own successes, you can't expect that anybody else is going to be able to identify those and say, hey, you did that thing really super well. I would love that, that's great. Hire that person. But also, you know, you as the founder need to make sure that you keep in mind that, that each win that you make is something that you have accomplished and is something that you've achieved and be able to celebrate those in the moment.
0: I want to celebrate and be in the moment. It's the journey that's, it's, you know, it's cliche, but it's part of the process. It's enjoying it as you go, right? So how do how do we then take all this stuff and, like, plan ahead for next year? Is it like, how, oh, oh, we our plan for 2022 was this amount of revenue, 1 million, but we're 20% short in this month, but 30% over in this month. Is it, how do we start to like, take all this pieces of data and then turn it into like, how do we learn from it? And then how do we get actions out of it for the like future?
1: So the the first thing that I do is I actually ignore the time. Uh, Really, as much as like, your job is to stay in the moment to think about each of those things and, and address, you know, crises as they come, celebrate wins when they come. Um, When you're thinking about your overall year, you really have to look at it as a whole, like it all happened together. It's all part of one ongoing operation or, or needs to be part of one ongoing operation. And any problems that you have have to be solved systemically. Any wins that you have also need to be systemic. You need to make sure, again, templatize those, repeat the successes, be able to anniversary those types of wins or they won't happen again. Um, and so the first thing that I do is I actually take my, you know, overall Google analytics or, or Shopify analytics reports, expand them to a whole year and look at the entire year as a whole. And that's where I'm identifying those outliers, right? That's where I can look day by day and say, that was a peak sales day. That was a peak sales day. That was a peak sales day. I'm going to start by taking my top three sales days and my bottom three sales days and not 3%, not bottom 3%, the one, two, and three and the one, two, and three. And then i'm going to look at what happened for each of those days number one sales day was probably black friday for most brands at least in this particular in at least in ecom. if it wasn't black friday tell me what you did like i mean like i want to know tell me what you did right that is the first place that you should be looking if your number two sales day is cyber monday great like that tells me that you did black friday right that you set yourself up for success that you were prepared for it that you communicated your offers clearly, that you that you executed that particular promotional sequence well. If your number two sales day is not Cyber Monday, if it's any other day during the entire year, what did you do that that day, or what did you do leading up to that day that really made that a win? And really, like the reason why I limit it to three is because that makes it really easy to recall what happened. When you're thinking about a super finite number of data points all of a sudden you're looking at that and you're saying, oh, that's the day that so-and-so did this thing, or that's the day that this thing happened. It should stick out to you like a sore thumb instantly. In fact, while we've been talking about this and you guys are listening to this podcast, if you don't know what that is, you need to go back and take a look at your data right now, because it should pop up for you even before you look at the data. Like You should know what your top three sales day are immediately. Bottom three sales days are either going to be negative meaning you had returns, exchanges, uh, customer complaints, something happened that means that you need to identify what broke down or, or what was really the problem there or they're going to be more than likely zero sales days and a $0 sales day basically means that you should have just taken the day off. Um, any day that you sold zero or less than $0 uh, you know, on your, on your overall analytic statement, those are the days that you really need to think about what happened leading up to that, because the only way to get negative sales is to have a positive sale at some point that you had to reverse. It's not like you're going to go into debt on a, any given sales day. So you need to think about where that came from. Did we have a faulty product? Was there a communication breakdown? Was there a customer service issue that we should have done a better job of addressing a lot of those things become actually really easy to think about in hindsight, they're difficult to think about in the moment, but when you think about them historically. When you think about them after you've resolved that problem or thought about that, it should be really easy to identify that one thing that you should have, could have, would have done differently, that would have made that not a full loss, less of a loss, more of a win, any version of a win, any version of a non-zero number, you know, that, that really is a success for us um, and that, that really is the goal. Um, after you've done that, so now we've talked about top three, we've talked about the bottom three. You're going to think through the entire rest of your year and, and really like, I do this abstractly, like I'm not looking day by day. Now that I've identified my top three winners and my top three failures, I'm looking for everything else in the middle, right? And I'm going to think about what happened that took up my time. Time is your most limited resource as an independent founder or an operator. Time is the number one thing that you should be super, super stingy about. And it's the number one thing that you are going to have to figure out what to do. When you are hiring employees, you're adding hours to your operating operating structures. When you are hiring an agency, you're buying some of their time to be able to help supplement the things that you're currently doing. So now that you're thinking about time, you have to think about these things in terms of what needs my active and direct participation. Basically, this is where you start to talk about kind of that control versus you know planning, you know, complex. If it was not controllable i couldn't do anything about it maybe there's a plan that i could have put in place where there's some way that i could mitigate that but really you're going to think about what did i spend my time doing during the rest of this right like what did i spend most of my time dealing with and is there a way that i could spend less time managing that and what would that look like and it's amazing especially for growing businesses how often that becomes hiring another employee or delegating something to an existing staff member or, you know, reallocating your agency resources or something like that. When you're talking about businesses that are under 10 million a year, every dollar really counts. But that also means that every minute really counts. And it's incredible how often we fall into the trap. And and even myself as an agency founder and an agency operator, it's crazy how many times I fall into the trap of doing things that I should not be doing because it's so easy to get pulled into those problems. And that's what you're looking for. You're looking for the time suck, right? Like that's the number one place where you should be able to say, Hey, I spent a lot of time doing this thing. I can delegate this. I can plan against this. I can do something to be able to resolve this problem ahead of time so that I'm not stuck dealing with something when I have all of these other things to do. And then aside from that, you know, now we're going to move past that. And, you know, I, I'm starting really super tactical top three, bottom three. Now we're talking about time sucks. And we're talking about essentially like lost resources. Um, and then the next thing that you're gonna think about is how to make light, your life easier, right? And, and I think about it in the same way. We talked about lost revenue and missed opportunities or essentially like places where we didn't do as well as we should in places where we could have done better. You have to do the same thing for your time. Lost time is lost revenue or, or a missed opportunity for you. Uh, you. If you can find a place where you can delegate a task or systematize and automate the task or templatize some version of your activity, those are the places where you, as a founder, are going to get time back to do things that are more important. And again, think about this from a high level, not tactically, because you'll have time to get into that. That's what January, February is for. You need to think about it from a really super top level. This was a pain in my side. This is what I think that I need to do about it. This was almost too easy. I wonder if I spent a little bit more time on this, if it would have done better, if It if would have delivered better results. And I'm going to use, you know, our obvious Black Friday is the perfect example. People who start planning Black Friday in July, it's really easy. for them. People who wait until October, it's really hard for them. It's amazing how it takes time to get those things right. It takes time to plan it out, to do the research, to do the segmentation, to write the copy, to make sure the graphics are correct, to build essentially on the brand and make sure that you're doing all of those things well. And if you give yourself just a little bit of extra padding almost... A little bit more margin for error it makes a lot of you operating the business much easier to manage and it means you're going to be more confident in identifying the successes and saying i did that that was under my control we planned for it we prepared for success and we delivered success
0: that's my tony Robbins moment (laughs) plan for success and delivered on it yes love that okay so that's a lot of good um small and big things like in like daily and on like big picture. So what do you think about when, okay, I think I want to launch a new product or I want to start expanding to this other category. Like those are big, like new pieces to the business. You can't compare to last year really. So like it's, you're planning ahead for next year. Like how do we, yeah. I mean, now you're talking about about about
1: how to, so now you're talking about the combination of two things, one of which is how to get more strategic and how to continue to develop strategic implementations. The other is where it starts to break down into tactics and, and it's hard, right? Like again, you as a founder, you as an operator, nobody else is doing that for you. You've got to figure out a way to be able to, you know, manage or kind of deal with all of those concerns. The first place that I think about strategy is by looking at, at what my strategy was last year. If I didn't have a strategy last year, that's the first thing I got to do is build a strategy for for next year. And again, use what you did this past year, find the places that worked. Make sure that those are kind of your pillars, you know, your core activities, um, you know, and then think about all of the things that you need to do to either fill up into those or lead out of those and how to continue to build momentum off of those.
0: When we're thinking about
1: new product launches, when we're planning for those, the there are... A few different philosophies of how to be able to do those i actually fall back on it. there's this like old retail philosophy that we use for sales training right and it's this like same same different concept so you you take something and you provide somebody with something that is similar you provide in two different ways and different or unique in one particular aspect and it becomes this sort of like almost iterative or like pseudo iterative product development process if you're thinking about that from a skew perspective You can think about okay i have two products that are really similar i need something that's super unique or super different in order to add value or to test value outside of this particular thing and honestly most people way overthink this but the number one place that you should be looking to for feedback and inspiration is your existing customer base you should have every single business that has done any amount of sales over 100 units ever no matter what no matter how long you've been operating you should know who your best customer is. You should know the people who spent the most money. You should know the people who have shopped the most number of times. And you should know the people who have shopped the most frequently. Those names, again, should not be hard for you to recognize. Those should be the people that, like, you've talked to them on the phone yourself. You've traded emails with them. You know what they look like. You know what their dog's name is. You know, we're talking about your VIPs, essentially. And that's such a great and such a valuable cohort. If you can leverage those people for feedback, that's absolutely the first place that you could start to say, hey, I have this product. They've already bought it. They already know it. They already you know, have maybe even multiples of them. They can tell you what they like about it, what they don't like about it. That gives you the opportunity to iterate on that product and say, hey, I want to address the shortcomings of this particular product and improve it by offering a different version of it. Or they will say, hey, you know what? I really like this product, but it doesn't do this. And then you can isolate and identify that there's an opportunity for an additional product or a supplementary product or some other version of a a unique standalone product that could potentially address those needs. And you're gonna have to talk about it in those ways as well. And the best, absolute best advice that I can give to any sort of founder when you're doing this, and like, I mean, we call it market research, but really customer feedback is shut up and listen, let your customers talk, you know, get on a phone call with them, do a Zoom meeting with them, give them a hundred dollar gift card, get buy them a bottle of wine, whatever it is that you can do to get that feedback. That is so much more valuable than any of your Google Analytics data, than any of your sell through reporting, any of those things. 15 minutes of a customer's time is worth more than a month's worth of revenue from people that you don't ever talk to again.
0: What is How do you typically view that VIP uh, you said it's it's like unquantifiable the the outcome and the how valuable it is but is there a certain amount of like oh we should aim for x percent of revenue from our top percent of people is there anything like that you kind of think about
1: so so the the pareto principle right like like anybody who's gone to business school or has been in marketing for long enough we all know the 80 20 rule um i actually don't think about it that way I, again, am going to be really, really super selective with my time. And I'm going to think about this through the absolute minimum viable population of like my own version of an MVP, basically, which is I'm going to pick my top five, that's it. You know, if my top five can tell me the same thing, if I hear the same message from the first five of my top best customers that I'm talking to, I know I'm on something if each of them has a different message then i know i need to abandon that plan and go and do something else if you want to get better feedback once you have an idea solid, solidified once you actually have something that you can dig into a little bit that gives you enough to be able to go and pull a larger you know pull a larger group of, of people and be able to say hey you guys are our top vip's use it as a marketing opportunity use it as an engagement opportunity I actually like i found more and more that this is where social media is actually really proven to be um, uh, interestingly, super valuable, not so much as a sales channel or as an advertising channel anymore, cause it's pay to play. And we all know that at some level, but really when you start to think about. Your, uh, engagement opportunities in places where you can ask customers a question or ask your general audience a question and get back an answer, even if it's not, you know, super confident, if it's not, you know, really a super precise thing, honestly test it out. You should always be asking those questions and you should be always looking for those opportunities to interact with your core customers. And basically you have a captive pool of those people pretty much all the time, either through email or through social. Those are the people that are watching those Instagram stories because I promise you no, no one else is. Um, you know, those are the people who are opening those emails but not buying products. Hey, what would get you to buy a product? And, and even from just like an overall holistic perspective, if you are asking customers questions and they're not answering them then those aren't real customers that's it so it becomes super super self-selecting but really the place to start pick your top five customers not top five percent not top 500 top five customers ask them first for feedback if they tell you the same thing you're on the right track then you can ask your next set of people or then you can go on to the next set of, de- of product development if they, you know, give you any feedback whatsoever that is not wholeheartedly, yeah, that sounds super cool. I would totally want to buy that when you have it loud, let me know. Then you need to jump ship, do something else, go back, you know, circle the wagons up and, and go back to the drawing board and see what else you have.
0: Awesome. No, that's great. That makes a ton of sense. And, and um, I mean a
1: lot of this like unfortunately, or not unfortunately, but uh, almost counterintuitively is very much about again, managing your own resources, right? Like if I don't have a solid enough idea to ask, to feedback to five people, five people, that's it. How am I going to ask any more than five people for feedback about something and hope that I'm going to get a really good idea? And this is also like where you as a founder and an operator, you know, get a chance to really super drill into and identify your key differentiating factors. This, we're talking about core value proposition. Is this a good representation of what I think my brand is about? And if it's not an instant, yes, absolutely. Then it's definitely a thumbs down, don't do it.
0: Great. That's a great way to look at it. Um, yeah, I love this over this this uh, conversation. You just kept coming back to simplify, simplify, simplify. And I think that's really helpful. I mean, you have to,
1: you know, especially with the size and scale, you know, again, as a founder operator, you have to be the one that covers all of the pieces and things about how they all work together. That means that more than anybody, you have to have a very, very, very super clear, super simple version of how you operate and what you do in order to be able to make sure that that happens. If it becomes too complicated for one person to manage, it's just not going to get done. That's it. That's just the way that works. If it is not clear to your top five customers who know and love you the best, no one else is going to get it. You know, like you just, it becomes very super simple. If you break it down and you make it really easy to be able to address. I love market research. I'm a data nerd. I can go down the rabbit hole. That's actually one of the most fun parts of my job is being able to take a deep dive into that, looking at the customer demographics, looking at the breakdowns of all of the different things that they do. But as an operator, you should be able to say, oh. I did this thing. And these guys are telling me that I should do this thing next. And again, it's about momentum forward opportunity. How do we fix the mistakes that we've already done? How do we find new opportunities to continue to grow the business? How do we continue to add these things on?
0: Awesome. Uh, Jason, this has been great. Any any kind of like, we're kind of start gonna land the airplane and wrap up? Is there any final thoughts? Any recap you want to do from everything you've shared? oh man uh I, I mean as much as
1: you know we keep going back to that kind of like high level you know keep it simple you know sort of overview perspective um really the best opportunity that i i will encourage everyone to spend the most of their time thinking about because a lot of the stuff that we've talked about is tactical is you know about planning, execution you know all of that stuff um the unspoken opportunity mixed into all of this is that every single founder and operator is good at something super unique, and something different. And this is a place for you to leverage that skill set. Every, every founder that I've ever met and every customer, every client, every brand that I work with, uh, they have a very unique and very interesting skill set that actually makes them super distinct so I could have two brands that sell exactly the same product, but because each of those founders is good at something different, that's where you get into those really cool product brand differentiation factors. And they start to think about things differently. So I'm not advocating for a whitewash, you know, general approach. That's what corporate business is for. And and like, none of us are there. Like, that's not what I enjoy. That's not what I want to do. I love working with, you know, the people who are, are artists or who are engineers or You know who have patented a specific thing there's something really super special and valuable about that and so much of what we do tends to sort of gloss over or ignore that so if i have to like bring it back around remember that there is something that you as a founder operator or marketer are really super good at and this Exercise overall, thinking about the year in review should be an opportunity for you to identify the places where your unique, personal, individual involvement made a big difference in the overall kind of things. Even if that's simply doing better than what you did last year, that means you're learning, you're growing as a person, you're expanding your skill sets, you're acquiring new talents or new resources that you've never had before. That's already a super cool thing and it's going to make the future of your business also super unique. Your success should be super unique and different. You know, we're all kind of working on this together, but each of us has really super interesting skills, talents, abilities that many other people that no other individual person is going to have. Um, and this type of exercise, thinking about the year, thinking about strategy and planning, this should be a foil for you. This this should be exciting for you to really be able to say, here's an opportunity for me to be more myself. Right? And that's so much of like the brand is like, how do you be more of that particular brand? How do you continue to make that a more pure distillation of what that idea is, which should be really a reflection of who you are.
0: Awesome. What a way to wrap up, way to end it, Jason. I really appreciate it. If people want to learn more about what you're talking about, want to hire your agency, you just want to give you a chat where you want to appoint them to.
1: Uh, You can always visit my website. It's effigy.agency. That's E-F-F-I-G-Y dot A-G-E-N-C-Y. I guess I have to explain effigy, don't I? Uh, the reason that I chose um the name for this particular business, my own business, is because, as I was talking about, everybody has a unique skill set. Everybody has their own talents and abilities. Everybody has their own experiences. My job as an agency is to think holistically about how to best represent you. That means that we're building sort of this like digital effigy or sort of like a construct uh, digitally of how you represent that brand, how the product is an extension of your core brand values, and really like how that makes sense for you as an operator or you as a founder overall. So a lot of what I do and how I operate is based on that idea. I love the idea of digital marketing being almost like a way for us to represent or sort of communicate our values and and what we do and how we operate there. Um, you know, as an agency, I'll give my, my little short pitch, uh, we do mostly CRO, some SEO, some website development, especially Shopify 2.0, shout out Shopify. They do such a great job with that. And I, I really super love the product. Um, and then we also dabble a bit in email and SMS as owned marketing channels. Again, very pure distillations of what that brand really is about how we represent those things, how we're communicating those brand values to potential customers to continue to grow the business. Uh, you can also find me on, unfortunately, every single social channel, uh, my own handle, JTWAGGY, uh, where sometimes I talk about marketing and a lot of times I'm basically just like haunting other people's, you know, replies and stalking DMs for people. Um, but definitely I'm also part of marketing Twitter and, and I have really enjoyed If you guys uh, are not a part of a marketing community, I strongly, strongly, strongly encourage you guys to find a group of people that you can talk to. It doesn't have to be online. It doesn't have to be on Twitter. Twitter might not exist tomorrow. We're not really sure, Um, you know, but find a Slack channel, find an email group, find somebody that you can call for coffee, you know, make sure that you have somebody to talk to because being a founder and an operator is also a very lonely endeavor. And the more people that you have supporting you and to back you up, the easier it gets.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Effigy agency. Go check them out. Go find Jason all over, go all over the socials. Uh, thanks again for your time and everyone else. Thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks man. That's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I love being able to do this, continue to learn and meet people in this industry. Every rating review and episode you share with a friend means so much to me as I'm bootstrapping this show as part of my media brand, High Key Geek. If you haven't checked out my other show, Brand Builders, you should. It's with myself and Tom Brown and Richie Mashiko. Two times a week, we talk in a much more casual setting, and we think out loud, we brainstorm, and we share our lessons as we continue to operate and run businesses in the DTC space today. We're not—we didn't exit. We didn't just consult and advise now, and we don't. We're in the trenches as we like every, every day still. So we're learning in real time and sharing it with you as we go. That's Brand Builders on High Key Geek YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you find your podcasts. Catch you next time.